The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Masters. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. What up, Greg? It's here. This is the first real Masters-only podcast that we've done on the First Cut. I'm so excited about it. I'm looking forward to this week so much. And what happened last night uh, only made it better. Yesterday's events only made it, it this week better, um, so it, it has stirred up so much energy. I'm I'm just so happy and so excited. That a good call. The first dedicated uh, Masters pod, at least for this April version. Yes, we right. the week has started. We are rocking and rolling and rounded out the crew. Here is Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. You know, Greg, it, it, thank you. And you're right. The, the hype train was already here because of the Masters. But add Jordan Spieth. I mean, what a perfect confluence of factors to have hit literally the night before the, the, the week of the Masters starts. So I'm, I'm so excited. And, and to your point, even more excited because we've got like a different air about this because Jordan is officially, if I may, back. The storylines are absolutely phenomenal between Jordan and Rom and Bryson and Brooks. And it's just like we could go on and on. We're going to break it all down for DFS, but it is obviously a very special week. So we actually have a very special episode coming Wednesday night, a live stream, Greg. We're going to go live at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be very interactive. You can drop your questions comments concerns suggestions hate mail whatever you want drop it all in the chat make sure to turn on your youtube alerts but we're doing it greg we're, we're going live on wednesday i am really looking forward to that and it's going to get an opportunity for you all who i mean you guys being the listeners really do engage with us a, a tremendous amount which is um which i appreciate very much but this is going to get you an opportunity to do it face to face it's going to get you an opportunity to do it right away and get immediate answers so i'm i'm really looking forward to that uh michael breed will be joining me i know we're in i, I believe the first the first yeah. leg 6:30 to 6:45 so we can get all your questions in there um and we're going to have a couple of other guests my understanding throughout the rest of the evening so it should be a great a great little evening for us that's right. It's going to be educational. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be everything. So we're looking forward to that. And we're still giving away Sportsline subscription. So here is your way to get in. Drop your pick to win the Masters in an Apple podcast review. And if you get it right, uh, we'll give you away a year to Sportsline. I'm pretty sure that's the deal that producer Jacob has told me. Just leave your Twitter handle so that we can get in touch with you and make sure that you follow at First Cut Pod on Twitter so that we can send you a message. See ya. I saw this question going around Twitter before we hop into this. I think it was phrased something like this. You could pick five golfers to win this week, any five that you want. If they win, you get $20 million. If they lose, you cannot play golf for... I think it was the next 50 years. So you basically can't play golf ever again. Would you take that deal? (laughs) I would probably take that deal. Yeah. I mean, I I think, (laughs) listen, I I don't know that I have the five golfers, but I I think it's a good deal. You said 20 million, right? I I mean, maybe it was 2 million. Whatever. Yeah. Let's call it 20. I mean, 20, I think you'd have to take a shot at. Let's say two, 2 million. You can never play golf again. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll just play like online and stuff like that. Anything with an M in front of it. and, And I'll go ahead and take the bet. Take my chances. Greg, that would seriously hinder your uh, your income. And I believe if you were – I don't know what playing golf counts as. Could you still make swings on a range? I don't know. We'd have to get into the fine details of it. 
Yeah, I'm a no for that, um, <laughs> regardless of its effect on my income. I can tell you, I'm here because my my golf game doesn't earn me a, uh, an income at all. That's why that's why I do this job. Um, but that being said, this game is worth so much more than than those dollars. I mean, it, it's not even close. That you don't take that bet unless you're sure. You're it, I mean, no, you don't take that bet. It's not worth I'm the sure. risk. I mean, you could you could repl- see. Let me ask you a question. Instead of you can't play golf for the rest of your life, you spend a year in in prison. Oh, would you ooh. would you take that one? Uh, the answer one to year. that is an absolute no. I've seen <laughs> enough of that on TV to to be informed that that's not a place I want to be. <laughs> I would not survive. I could bear, like I am like the biggest baby about literally everything. If I had to spend a year in prison, oh my god, that is my absolute nightmare. There's no chance you could give me you could give me sixty golfers to pick. If one of the I might I might not make that bet. It's it 60? is. I mean, 60 is probably a bit much. You know what I mean? Like, I cannot go to prison, Greg. I can't. Oh, my. What is happening? Kyle Porter. Literally, he jumps in. I had no sign that this was coming. Kyle Porter joins us from what I assume is somewhere in close proximity to Augusta National. Yeah, I'm about a. Uh, can you hear me? I have no idea if I have my microphone on. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably a Bryson driver from the course. Wow. Like a, wow. So a half mile. So did you get a rental car? Yeah, no, I'm like two miles away. Uh, yeah, I I got in today. Listen, I'm about to, I gotta fill out some picks, and I'm just I'm just tuning in. I've got some questions. Is that okay? Like, do a live Q and A here? Yeah. Are you gonna hang with us the whole time, or are you just popping in? I think I'm just popping in. I got I got some work I got to do. I okay. also wanted to get Greg and I haven't talked about the just show that speeth put on on sunday i'm still yeah. I, I don't should they cancel the masters after what happened with the Texas Open? i think they should think out, it's out of, a out foregone of respect, conclusion out of respect for jordan speed they might just he might just cancel this one yeah they should <laughs> kyle what, so what was your what was your initial reaction oh it was it was the best yeah, I know you were hoping for kind of like that t9 that t8 that solid performance here's where he didn't win it wasn't it wasn't laborious, right? Like he didn't he didn't get to the end of the week and you're like, wow, he seems spent. You know, like he yeah. seems like he's just toast. It seemed like kind of the way he's been playing, he just how ha- and he said this, he just happened to hit a couple putts. I like how I hijack y'all's podcast and talk about <laughs> <laughs> he just happened to hit a couple putts and now it's kind of on to the next week. And I don't know, man. Like I, I don't know if he's gonna win, but it feels like it feels a little inevitable that he's gonna at least be in the mix at some point. Well, so for me, Kyle, I, I really liked um the way that he went about doing it. So one thing that he answered a big question for me is down the stretch, like we know he gets a little erratic off the tee, but what happens down the stretch? Is he able to hit a shot when he needs to? If as if he's really back, which uh, we've, he, I mean, he's been back in our eyes for for quite some time. But if he's really going to be able to win, he's going to have to hit a tee shot when he needs to. And and he only missed one fairway on the on the back nine on Sunday, which to me is a great sign. He can get the ball and play when he needs to. And if it's erratic, um, if if he is a little bit off on um, off the tee, it Augusta National gives him the opportunity to scramble. And that's where Jordan Spieth thrives with iron play, um, with uh, the opportunity out of pine straw rather than thick rough to create a shot shape, to hook it around a tree, to get it in position where he can hit an easy pitch um, up onto the green and make a make a four that way. So, so it gives him a lot of options, and it, it taps into his creative side, which I think is why he likes Augusta National so much. And those things that are so important, we him execute this past week so yeah i I agree with you kyle i think it's all positives i thought the encouraging part and we can get back to y'all's actual podcast but the encouraging part is he talks afterwards and says even when i felt it slipping a little bit and like i didn't have it i just stuck with what i knew and i didn't try to like you know get all crazy and do and like change my swing in the middle of the round all this stuff and it's just like like if you did a like a case study just on the way he talks in some of these interviews it's just so much different than 
PGA Championship last year, U.S. Open last year, all these different tournaments where, where we've seen him interviewed. He just sounds like he sounds like a top ten player in the world again. That's not where he's at, right. but that's what he that's what he sounds that that's the that's the vibe that he gets off gives off whenever he talks. You know what the other thing is, Kyle, on the interviews, he is like the opposite of Brooks Kepka. He tells you exactly <laughs> where he is. Oh yeah, so, right. you know you know exactly what's going on because he he'll say, "Hey, I'm ten thousand balls away. I got to break all these bad <laughs> habits. I I I'm nowhere near where I need to be, and it's going to take for- a long time." <laughs> And Brooks is like, I don't even hit balls, so I, I can't even tell you. Right. How, yeah. how many balls so, I'll so, start hitting balls in April. Jordan, Jordan Spieth now, Kyle has uh, here in Nevada. William Hill made him the favorite. Uh, we have we have other books. Not that there are other books than William Hill, but other books very close to doing the same. If he is not uh, the the second shortest odds, he is the third shortest odds. Now we have to remember a lot of that has to do with uh, odds makers not wanting to get burnt if he actually wins this. But there's also a percentage of that being well-deserved. And what do you think those two percentages are, KP, between balancing the the public money and that he actually deserves to be a top three favorite at the Masters? I mean, I think he I think he does deserve to be – I don't know about top three. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like – he, the thing is, I think people are looking at this like, oh, it's an overreaction to the Texas Open, and it's not really. I mean, it, it is, I think, in the sense of, like, people want to be on him now. And so, like, pe- pe- like the average golf fan who just started paying attention today to Masters Week mm-hmm. is like, oh, Spieth just won. So th- there might be a little, like, correction for that. But I'm curious about how much of it is a – is a is a correction to having him at fifty to one in January, to where it's like we can't take on to, like right. we we can't take on much more speed load here because right. we got uh, you know a percentage of people that have him at forty to one, fifty to one, fifty whatever the number is. So I think I'd be interested to see how much that plays into it uh, as much as the other two things. <laughs> He is certainly going to be, by the time Thursday kicks off, uh, he's going to be the biggest risk for like every single book out there. For the people who got him at, I mean, there was 100 to 1 hanging in the summer who got him at 50, who got him all the way down. And then we have not even had the injection of money, Sia. We have not even had, we've not even had the public money come in yet. We, we, it is Monday of Masters Week. There are going to be people who, I say, open up the newspaper. That really means click on CBSSports.com <laughs> and see the game logs. And they're going to go, Jordan Speed is dominant. He's coming off a win. He's been piling up top tens with no idea of what has happened outside of his last six starts and no idea what a newspaper is but you're, you're right <laughs> jordan jordan spieth is going to kyle's so right jordan spieth if you were going to take a goal for six 12 months ago at, at high odds 50 to 1 100 to 1 jordan spieth was probably going to be in your top three golfer at high you know long odds to, to actually put some money on so they're they're carrying so much liability pre-valero texas open and post-valero texas open so yeah, I mean, that. I, I think, you know, to answer your question, Rick, I, I think it's kind of like 80-20. I think 80% is, yeah, he belongs, you know, pretty much up there in that top three, top four, top five. And 20% is, oh, no, we're going to have to pay out a lot of money. So let's make this number prohibitive so people stop betting it and they start betting some other guys so we can even this playing field out a little bit. Hey, Rick, when when you look at Augusta National, um, do you would you consider this course history to be, to be sticky, a uh, little more oh, yeah. random? It's no, it's like yeah. the stickiest we get. It, be, yeah. Between the field, between the field being so consistent year in year out, the setup being so consistent year in and year out, and the and the results that guys post here, um, you know, it's I don't want to say it's a no cut event because we've seen uh, Justin Rose, we've seen Paul Casey, we've seen we've seen we've seen it pop up and get some guys, but it's the closest thing we get to a no cut event where cream rises to the top. This is like the stickiest course history we get. Right. It's not like it's not like some of the Florida courses like we get at the players yeah. where everybody has an off week at some point so I, I think that's part of the reason why Jordan Spieth as well when he's at 50 yeah. to 1 is is attractive when he's in January at 50 even though he's playing poorly even though it's summertime and he's, he's way off of his game he's sitting at 100 to 1 you you take a chance you take a flyer at it it seems to be worth it because he's got such a nice course history so I, I do think that makes a lot of sense well com- combined with I did the I ran the numbers on like when he's hot coming in like he's played this seven times and five of those times he's had a really nice three month run up and I think he's he's never finished worse than T11 and so the the only other two times were last November and then 2019 where he wasn't he wasn't very good coming in 
he still made the cut. He just didn't make any noise. So all the evidence that we have at least points toward him being in that top 15, top 10 range and, and potentially continuing to win. Now, might not play out like that. That's just kind of what we have going into it. The one, the one caveat I would add to that, and I'm, I'm curious if anybody has a, uh, thoughts on this, but before the worst finish was T11 before, uh, like 2017, he came in T11. That was his worst finish ever at the time. So he had in 14, he came in second. In 15, he, he won. And in 16, he came in tied second. So after the shot on 16, after he let that get away, it was kind of 2018 was a backdoor tied a uh, backdoor third and he kind of ran up the board on Sunday. Do you think anything has to do with is there anything in Jordan Spieth's head where he gets to that second nine and he has he's he's seeing ghosts? I think there's only Jordan Spieth's head. <laughs> so topical. What's Topical. what's not in Jordan Spieth's head? <laughs> oh yeah, Greg, you you just lost your quarterback today too. There's so much to talk about. Um, yeah, this is this is crazy. The I, I don't uh, Keith, is, uh, Kyle, you you I'm sure know better than anybody trying to sort out what is in Jordan Spieth's brain and what is not in Jordan Spieth's brain. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I can imagine what that victory did for him uh, in terms of just being like, okay, stop the count. You know, 1,351 days. We don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, and and it's like. Uh, I love the. I kind of love the way he reacted. Like, yeah, I'm somebody who should win the Texas Open when nobody else is really playing it, right? It wasn't like this, uh, you know, complete like breakdown. Like, bring the family out. People are crying. It's like, no, like I'm Jordan Spieth. I win Texas Opens when I'm hitting the ball well. And so, yes, to your point, but also I loved that part of it where it was like, okay, let's go win Augusta as well. You know, I, I just. I don't know. That maybe I'm reading too much into that, but that was kind of the feeling that I got as I as I watched it unfold. Awesome stuff, KP. What do you What do you want to do here? We're gonna do a DFS preview. You hanging or you bolting? Uh, can I just get like I gotta fill this thing out. I need what like need? yeah. What do you got? Three guys at fifty to one or worse. All right, so 50 to 1 probably looks like Terrell Hatton, Hideki Matsuyama, Lee Westwood, Jason Day, Joaquin Neiman, Scotty Scheffler, Tommy Fleetwood. That's the range. See, it goes down to Scotty Scheffler would be worse, Louis, Adam Scott, Will Zalatoris. So we'll work our way up from the bottom of the board here. See, is there any one of those names or any two of those names that would move the needle for you as better than the others? Yeah, in terms of outright victories, uh, Neiman and Scheffler pop to me a little bit. I'm worried about Scheffler playing now what is 11 rounds of golf over the last week. I mean, he started out the Valero Texas Open well, Greg, and you mentioned it. I think you mentioned you were like, we'll see how he is on the weekend, and he was terrible on the weekend. Those legs probably get heavy. Now you go to a place that has uh, quite a, a a difficult walk. I'm I'm concerned about Scotty. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fade on Scotty Scheffler. I would say Scotty Scheffler is my most confident fade. And it sounds like Sia disagrees with me, which makes me a little a little nervous about it because he knows what he's talking about. But I look at Scotty Scheffler as a guy who's, one, exhausted, two, strokes gained approach the green 131st on tour, right? Strokes gained uh, gain putting 111th on tour. So the two areas that we say that Jordan Spieth is so good in, and that's why he's so good here, Scotty Scheffler is not very good in those categories. So I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, and I do think the November... He he competed in the November Masters, and I think the conditions masked that a little bit and allowed him to finish T nineteen very respectable for a first time. KP, do you do you get any more benefit for picking guys longer than fifty, or they just like it doesn't matter if they're a hundred or if they're fifty, just has to be longer? No, it doesn't matter. I wanted to see if you guys thought I was crazy for liking uh, two guys that have won this event in in Phil and Sergio. Uh, yeah. Those are those are two guys that I'm kind of. I'm kind of in on Phil's been hitting it well. Sergio has been one of the best ball strikers in the world so far in 2021. And I think the other thing, and I'll let you answer is I'll hang up and listen. Is, uh, <laughs> is It sounds like now it might not go like this. It sounds like the course is like mega fast, like, yep. like out of control early, which is awesome. Like, I love that. Uh, but I think the, I think like missing in the right spots is going to be a lot more important 
than it was not just in November, obviously, but in 2019 when Tiger won as well. It just it wasn't it was pretty good then, but it wasn't like crazy. And I just to me that some of that Phil stuff is going to maybe come into I don't know. Like, am I crazy for liking those two guys? I am not a Phil guy. That is well documented. But if there was ever a week to get involved on Phil, it's right now. He's gained strokes on approach in four of his last five starts, KP, which I went back and looked. The last time he did that was February 2019. It was a stretch of golf that resulted in a runner-up finish at the American Express and his victory at Pebble Beach. You go to a place that is absolutely stocked with experience for him, 15 top 10s in what will be, well, this is his 29th start, so 28 and obviously three times a winner. Uh, I am not a Phil guy, and this this right now is the week if you ever want to get it. Yeah, I think it's intriguing, and I think Sergio is intriguing as well. And and that bore out a little bit at match play, just how he's hitting it. But I don't know. Like he, the problem is Sergio has been horrific at majors since uh, he won. Since he won here, yeah. I think yeah, he's missed he, like. I mean, he, he's missed so many cuts. He's missed at least the last two cuts at at the Masters, which is a factor. But he did win this year. I mean, he won the Sanderson Farms this year and wasn't he? He didn't play uh, in the November Masters, and so I, I kind of look at Sergio with a positive light. I think this year has kind of been kind of been a new Sergio, um, and and what we saw him do at match play was putt really well. Which I think you know, you know how good he hits the ball. He's hitting seventy percent of his greens regulation for the year. He's second off the tee. He's hitting it a long way too. He's driving yeah. at three oh eight, right? He's hitting it a long way. I think that's a big benefit. So I like his tee to green stuff. And what I saw on the greens at match play, uh, it has to build some confidence. I know they're slower green. I know they're much slower. I know they're much softer. He's got to avoid three putts. It's my biggest concern with Sergio. Is he's two hundred and eleventh on tour in three putt avoidance if you look at the last five winners here at masters they've had two three putts or less um so i I, for the whole week so i i think that's kind of more important than than really making putts is avoiding those three putts and that's my big question for sergio but i i have a i'm fairly confident on him i like sergio this week yeah he also needs to avoid making 13 on the 15th hole that would Uh, would help yeah that's not last last thing and then i'll i'll get out of here uh of the of the great iron guys with, between Morikawa and JT, who do you guys like better? I can tell uh, you I'm playing Morikawa more than I am JT in DFS, but that's partially because of price. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm JT on that one. If you take price into account or not. And the reason is simply experience. I, I think as the golf course gets firmer and faster, the nuance gets highlighted. And so you have to understand where to land the ball, how to use the property, how to miss in the proper place. And I think it just gets more and more important. So JT's got a healthy experience here that's improved every single year. And so, and I think his putting's also improved. So I'm leaning towards JT on that one. I think, uh, I think Morikawa has like, of all the guys that like stars in the field, he's the one who can most change his legacy like or not his legacy but like his um his future projection like what we think about him by winning because it's pretty high already but for him to go two majors and five wins in his first 50 events on tour by the age of 24 i mean that that would be kind of in that like rory spieth type range that we always talk about yeah and i'm i'm fascinated by that uh i'm out uh, if you didn't see the video of Bryson hitting drives for VJ on the range, check it we out. Talking about it, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> we were... <laughs> it's like, a, it's like we, we... this is what my kids do. My kids do stuff like this in front of me, like they're trying to show off. Like it's like it's like a six year old flexing for his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about it before we went hot, and I, I was like, he, like, I, I just keep going. He looks like a professional wrestler. Everything he does looks like a professional wrestler, and he is just, he's drawing a crowd. He looks like a street busker, right? Like a guy who, like, he's drawing a crowd. He's a little bigger every time they're coming over, and he is putting on a show. He's gonna put his hat down. He's gonna collect tips when it's over. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks, well, thanks for calling. Nice surprise. All right, <laughs> see ya. We're gonna. Oh, right. that was fun. We're gonna get back on track here. We're gonna. T- Luckily, we got to talk through a lot of guys. We're gonna talk through. Uh, we we talked through a lot of the long shots too, so that's good. Uh, it, we talked earlier about getting some dollars in your pocket, and I've got a chance for you to win a quarter million dollars because prop games are back. 
the world's best golfers are teeing it up in Augusta, and we have an opportunity for you to win big bucks without even hitting a tee shot. You can win up to a quarter million dollars by playing our props game this week by visiting cbssports.com slash props or by downloading the CBS Sports app. The game is 100% free to enter, and all you have to do is answer some questions. Compete against the best in the world. Actually, just the, the world. I don't think they're actually the best. For your chance to win $10,000 for a first-place prize, guaranteed. And if you get every question right, it's $250,000 for you. Once again, to play, all you have to do is visit cbssports.com slash props or on the CBS Sports mobile app. A link is in the description. All right, gentlemen, let's talk DFS and let's talk the top of the board here. It is the 10K range that is jumped off by Dustin Johnson at 11,500, John Rahm at 11,000, Bryson at 10,8, Justin Thomas at 10,6, Rory McIlroy at 10,2, and Xander Shoffley at 10. We kind of discussed these guys a little bit, Sia, but if there is only one golfer or maybe two golfers in this 10K range, who would you be focusing on first? Yeah, it would be DJ or Bryson. I, I love I love what Bryson can do off the tee, particularly on this track, and create a, a really kind of simple second shot for himself. And and, and same goes for DJ. I mean, I, these guys are going to hit it long. They're generally pretty accurate. I think we've seen a Bryson. I know I know I shouldn't be like. It's funny that I'm saying this now after like the show off conversation we were just having about Bryson. But I think when it comes to him being in play, I think he's matured a little bit and he kind of knows when to take on certain risk. Whereas maybe six, eight months ago, he was just wailing at the ball and, and you kind of never knew like what he was actually thinking from a strategic standpoint. So those are the two guys that really jump out at me that I think are going to sort of lap the field off the tee. I I really like him more this week, Greg, and I'm, I'm actually showing uh, my site here, rickrungood.com, which is which has the Bryson profile up. And I don't think people realize how much he is like the number one golfer in so many different categories, Greg. Driving distance, eagles per hole, scoring average off the tee, tee to green, strokes gain total. I mean, he is just piling it up statistically, but now he goes to a place that has his number a little bit or at least in one crack at it. How do you feel about Bryson in April versus versus in November. See the the driver when you have that kind of club head speed and that kind of power it's a force multiplier. So it, that's why you see him first in so many categories. It the the strokes that he gains off the tee help him in his tee to green category. They help him in his total category. They make his scoring average go down. So it, it it's a really big advantage and it is a multiplier. The things I like about Bryson this week is he seems to have improved his iron play a lot this year. He's up to 15th this year. I think he was outside the top one hundred last year in strokes gain approach. Um, he hits a, a fair number of greens, um, which, which I like. And he, his putting is good, not as good as it was last year. Uh, he may three putt a little more than I'd like, but that may be also just be aggression. So I'm kind of in a place with Bryson where I have I feel really good about it. The one thing holding me back is the courses that he's done really well on seem to be a different profile than Augusta National, right? Mm-hmm. They seem to be courses where rough is really penal. And rough is a big advantage for Bryson. When the rough is heavy and the fairways are narrow, that's um, and it's something that a lot of us were wrong on, including myself. We were wrong about going into the year when he went through this experience. I don't think we realized um, the advantage that that would create. And that's gone in large part at Augusta National. The, is the advantage of distance gone? No. But but the advantage of, of his club head speed in the rough is gone. And so that's kind of the thing that holds me back with Bryson. If it's not Bryson, then Greg, you've got a lot of money to spend up top. The pricing is very soft. You can make any lineups that you want. Who else would you prefer up here in the 10K range? Uh, my preference is Justin Thomas. I, I think okay. partly because he's playing better than anyone right now. Um, with I, I really like Dustin Johnson uh, for so many reasons, but the Florida swing just didn't really go very well for him, and it, it kind of left us a lot of questions. Uh, his putting statistics aren't great this year. He's not having the year he had last year on the green. So I, I have my questions about DJ, um, although they're very, very, very faint questions. 
But with Justin Thomas, I don't have any questions at all. The course history has been phenomenal. It's been improving every single year. 2016, when he started, he was tied 39th and improved every year until November when he came in fourth. So I think that's a huge advantage. He's third strokes gain approach the green. He's hitting just under 70% of his greens in regulation. His short game is in great form. He's 14th um, around the green. And he's up to 56th in, in strokes gain putting, and he's 18th in three-putt avoidance which is very important and just to give you an idea here he hasn't been inside the top 60 in strokes game putting and three putt avoidance since 2017 and that was the year that he won his only major so I I look at Justin Thomas and I think he's primed and ready to go um, and and I just feel like this is the year for him I'm showing his uh, strokes gained logs here, and this guy has gained strokes from tee to green in 18 of his last 19 measured events. When you have that kind of baseline uh, for for success, you are really difficult to shake off the first page of the leaderboard. And if you find a hot putter, or at least even a decent putter, for a couple of days, you're going to be hoisting a trophy, or in this case, maybe donning a green jacket on Sunday evening. Uh, see, uh, there's there's certainly guys in the 10k range that offers some concerns Xander Shoffley hasn't been as good as maybe we'd expect we're only comparing him to himself and then there's just a huge question mark around one Rory McIlroy trying to complete the career grand slam what are we doing with these two well I think I'm gonna play a little bit of Xander I mean you know as far as Rory goes you guys know I haven't really been on Roy for a while and I'm just I'm not going to pick now to all of a sudden jump on him but as far as Xander is concerned he is a little mysterious I mean the game sort of seems to have like come and gone this year but he does have a good track record correct me if I'm wrong but was he second at the Masters in in October last year so he uh I mean Xander is one of those guys that just from an ownership standpoint I don't think he's going to be super highly owned among this 10k class and so I think you can find a little bit of ownership leverage there but more importantly he does have the game to be good at the Masters we know he's a little bit longer off the tee than than you know he has been in in years past and he has all four components of the game it's just a matter of whether he can put them together at the Masters I think he has potential to do so now he's not my favorite guy in this range but if I'm comparing him to Rory I actually think I might go the Xander route versus Rory. Greg, if you had to choose between Xander Shoffley and Rory McIlroy, which side would you take here? Uh, I think I would lean a little bit towards Rory McIlroy. I okay. I don't know. Uh, it's and it's close. I just think Rory understands how to play here, and it, it brings something out in him that's a little bit different. And um, and Michael Breed has a great take on this. He talked about this morning on the radio show. It said the pressure is off of him because he changed his swing coach, and we're not going in talking about Rory expecting him to perform really well, um, and it may relieve a little bit of pressure. And Rory, in all of his quote-unquote failures at Augusta National, I mean, he, he's been inside the top 10 every year since – 2016 except um, 2019 so it, it's been a great he has, he has six top tens and 12 starts half the time he finishes in the top 10 yeah. so I have a lot of questions about Rory um, but I do about Xander as well and I just I don't I feel like something happened with Xander like he got burnt out or something something happened and all of a sudden his form I mean he had five of seven top 10 finishes in the 10 events prior to Genesis since Genesis, it's been a T15 at Genesis, T39 at the WGC Workday, which he does great in those kind of events. Missed the cut at the players and didn't get out of his group at match play. I just feel like there's not a lot of spark with Xander right now. Jumping down to the 9K range, Sia, there are a lot of names here, and I think they're going to be some of the heavily owned golfers. So I'm showing you right here on, on the cheat sheet. It starts with Patrick Cantlay at 9,800. It goes down to Colin Morikawa at 96. And then that man, Jordan Speed, that we've already talked in depth on for 9,400. And then the bottom of this range is Reed. Kepka, Finau, Webb Simpson. I know you mentioned earlier, Sia, I think you alluded to Colin Morikawa being your guy in this range. Is that partial? I mean, what percentage of that is to pivot away from uh, Patrick Cantlay and Jordan Spieth, who are, are certainly going to be two of the highest owned golfers on this slate, or just the fact that you really like Colin Morikawa and you think he can win this golf tournament? Yeah, it's more that I really like Colin Morikawa, and I think he can win this golf tournament. I mean, and his ball striking has been elite, especially, I mean, just, just in the last, like, six months. It's been really, really good, or, or since the beginning of this calendar year. I just think he's such an elite ball striker, and we still, you know, because he's 
relatively young compared to some of the names you just mentioned. I feel like we haven't really seen his potential yet. And I think we can realize his potential at places like Augusta. And, and I just think when you when you throw in ownership next to that, I mean, Jordan Spieth is going to be, I mean, we're talking like 25% owned here in, in a lot of these tournaments. Okay, fair enough. Higher, says Rick. So like maybe 30%, 31%, whatever it is. 20, let's, let's put it this way. It's guaranteed to be 25% or greater. Okay, so yeah. then you pivot down to Patrick Cantlay, who's going to be heavily owned as well. But then you can pivot down from that to a Colin Morikawa. And if you really look at it, forget about Valero last week and forget about, you know, the, the history of Jordan Spieth. When you look at it from a ball striking standpoint, Colin Morikawa versus Patrick Cantlay versus Jordan Spieth. I mean, you're kind of talking about six of one, half dozen of the other. So if I'm getting a huge ownership discount on a guy that, true, doesn't have the experience, but does have experience at Augusta, at least, we can say that. He's not a debutante. So I just think, you know, I'm probably going to go that route. I do like his upside. I am showing Colin Morikawa's essentially uh, for him. It's almost his entire. It's essentially his entire career of strokes gained numbers. And that that word ball striking that Sia is using uh, in our world, that's a combination of strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach. It's an unofficial stat, but well, uh, well sourced. And uh, four times, four times in Colin Morikawa's professional career has he lost strokes ball striking. And one of them was the match play where that strokes gained data is a bit wonky. They don't play all the holes. I I wouldn't look into it. That is absolutely insane. So, Greg, now I poise, post this question over to you. The 9K range is full of goodies. It's Colin Morikawa, it's Patrick Cantlay, it's Jordan Spieth, and then another huge question mark named Brooks Kepka. That is a big question mark for me. <laughs> so um, I don't know what to do with Kepka, uh, and for good reason. I mean, I heard a, a reputable source say six to eight months, and here he is. He's here. He's going <laughs> he's gonna to play. So, I, look, I, I have my questions about him. I, I do think, um, at, at what I heard Brooks say today, is it's, it's the walk that's going to be the most challenging for him, more so than the swing. He can swing full bore without pace. I was watching um, on Masters.com. Uh, live from the range today, or Masters on the range, and and Brooks Kepka was right up there with his clubhead speed and ball speed and average distance. He, care, I think he had like the third or fourth longest drive of the day, um, at least at the time when I was watching. So it seems like he still has his speed, but I still have question marks, and I I am looking at Jordan Spieth as a guy that I'm I'm really confident is going to play well, and for that reason. I am going to be one of the 31% or 25% who plays Jordan because I, I have a feeling that it, he's a can't-miss guy. Um, and, and then there's one other guy that I'll give you who I think is an option. Who, If, if you're afraid of the Spieth ownership, which I totally understand. I'm not one of them, but I totally understand. Patrick Reed is uh, is interesting to me this week. And the reason for that is the golf course. If the golf course is really firm, if we miss some of these these um pop-up showers that are kind of expected, they're under under 50% chance of rain, but if if we miss all of those and it ends up being a a really really fast, really firm golf course, there's going to be a lot of missed greens. And a guy like Patrick Reed who leads the PGA Tour in strokes game putting um and has one of, if not the best short game on the PGA Tour. I think it could be a really good week for Patrick Reed, too. So that's kind of a weather play, kind of a course setup play. I, I think Patrick Reed's a guy we can't forget about. Uh, our very own Kyle Porter, who we just had on, uh, made me aware of something a couple weeks ago, basically that all of these winners uh, at the Masters have played really well from tee to green leading into the event. Essentially, the final 90 days before uh, the Masters, it's these guys who have played well from tee to green. So what I did is I punched in from January 1st uh, of 2021 to right now into the database to see who the best players from tee to green are. And the three best players, Sia, are all in the nine. K range. It's Patrick <laughs> Cantlay. It's Jordan Speed. It's Colin Morikawa. This wow. is an, ball strikers 9K. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I, I've, as you guys know, I've made a few lineups already. There was one, <laughs> I, I, I probably made three or four, but one of them did actually start in the 9K range, and it started with two of those three guys. And, and just, wow. I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you know, when you go through the tiers of pricing, I think sometimes you almost get stuck thinking, well, I have to take a guy from this tier, I have to take a guy from this tier. And don't get me wrong, most of my teams will have guys from that 10K, 10K tier and above. 
But I, you guys know me. I, I have no problems. Listen, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantley, Jordan Spieth, you just said it. They are the best ball strikers, at least since January 1st. So I have no issue. And, and you know, they can, get, they can get hot with the putter. I mean, Colin, there's a separate question with Colin Morikawa with the putter, but we've seen him do it somewhat recently. So if you want to start your team there, that's great. I mean, I, I love the ball striking metrics as they pertain to those three. Yeah, if those guys, if those three players were in the 10K range, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't bat an eye. You wouldn't say, right. what are they doing here? I mean, you could argue that Jordan Spieth is playing better than anybody in the 10K. I mean, Justin Thomas gives him a great argument, but he's playing better than anybody in the 10K range for the past month since February. Uh, and and Colin Morikawa has a win just as recently as any of these guys with the exception of Justin Thomas. So I, I agree. I think you can start your line. You could start every lineup in this range, and it could be very different. If those players were up top, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't bat an eye. They'd, to they'd your be point, of it. to your point, Greg. This pricing came out last Tuesday morning, I believe. Listen, mm-hmm. if it came out after the Valero Texas Open, Jordan Spieth's price is probably ten thousand four hundred. You know, ten thousand yeah. three hundred, something right around there. So all of a sudden, that's a guy we're considering in the ten K range. So we're obviously getting value there, and that's by the way part of the reason why he's going to be so popular. So you know, you, you kind of have to just figure out what you want to do. Do you want to create ownership leverage somewhere else? You can do that, or or do you want to create it just by not taking Jordan Spieth? Yeah, see, that brings up a question um, to me. Like, we, we kind of disagree on Spieth, not on his form, not on his metrics, as we discussed with Kyle, but on the ownership. And I, right. there are a couple of different philosophies you can take. And I, I equate it to like an NFL draft, where you're going to draft for uh, to fill a hole in your lineup or draft the best player available. How much of this, when you look at, at the pricing, do you say, well, I want to take the guys... Like, at what point do you take the guys that you think are going to do the best in the tournament? And at what point do you utilize, um, do you take pricing into account? Yeah, so as far as ownership percentage, I mean, I do a lot of single entry in three max. I'm not doing those 150 MME. So because I'm doing single entry and the field's usually, you know, a thousand or less or, you know, something like that, 555 or, or what have you, I don't need to worry about ownership quite as much as I might in some of those bigger tournaments. But I still want to have, you know, if I'm going to take chalky guys, I'm totally cool with taking chalky guys like Jordan Spieth. But if I'm going to do that, I want to make sure I create some ownership leverage where I'm sort of lapping the field with guys that are 5% or 6% owned or something like that. So it's really just a matter, I don't know if this answers your question, but it's really a matter of where am I creating the ownership leverage? Where am I creating that point where now I'm starting to gain on the field? And it, it can be in, the, in that expensive range or it can be in, in, the, in the lesser range, in the lesser priced range. Interesting. Yeah, that answer good. We're going to get into some of the lesser-priced golfers. We're going to go down to the 8K range, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. It is, of course, that time of year again. It is Masters Week, which means the Azaleas. It's Butler Cabin. It's the Green Jacket. It's the Pimento Cheese Sandwiches. 
Oh, baby. And CBS Sports is your home, as always, to watch DJ Brooks, Rory, and all the action unfold at Augusta. Whether you're looking to watch on the range, featured groups, Amen Corner, holes 15 and 16, all four rounds. And of course, the CBS broadcast over the weekend. It's all available on CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, and Paramount Plus. Pimento cheese sandwiches not included, but we are working on that for next year. Haha, <laughs> that's a little joke. $8,000 range. Uh, this might be one of my favorite ranges. So, Greg, we start off with Terrell Hatton, Lee Westwood, Victor Hovland. We go all the way down to Cameron Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, and Tommy Fleetwood. Who's your favorite golfer in the 8K range? Ooh, there's a lot of... Um... There's a lot of question marks for me in this range, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Um, okay. So I, I, I do feel pretty good about Lee Westwood. I, I like okay. his chances, but I'm not all over Lee Westwood. The guy that's kind of a shocker, um, a, a surprising guy who I really like in this range, and I'm guessing he's probably going to have fairly high ownership, but Cam Smith. Mm. Uh, Cam Smith is a guy that I really like, even though he's not the the typical ball striker that – we usually gravitate towards at Augusta National. He doesn't hit it extremely long, um, but he is pretty accurate, and he can get really hot. He's really good around the greens. He's really good with with the flat stick. So he's 16th on tour this year, strokes game putting. He's third in three-putt avoidance, which I find to be so important. He's 25th strokes gain around the green. So he does it in a different way, but he seems to be a gamer. I mean, he has a, a in 2018, he was tied fifth. In November, he was tied second. Um, and those were courses that played differently. 2018 was a lot different than it was in, in the November Masters. So um, I do think Cam Smith has a real chance to compete here. And in this range, I'm kind of leaning towards the scrappy guy because of the ball strikers in this range I have some questions about. Interesting. Cam Smith, uh, as you mentioned, runner up in November. I'm looking at Matt Fitzpatrick, Sia. So what I've done is, again, I'm keeping the same time frame here on rickrungood.com. I'm saying January 1st, 2021 to current, and I'm just sorting by strokes gain total. And uh, Patrick Cantlay is number one. That should be no shock to anyone. I think the big surprise is that Matt Fitzpatrick is number two. He's $8,100 on DraftKings. If you look at some of his results, which I'll show you here on screen in that time frame, uh, it, it's nothing but excellence. It's it's a it's a fifth place finish at the Genesis. It's an 11th at Workday, a 10th at API, and a 9th at the Players' Championship. We are talking about the deepest fields, the most difficult golf courses, and Matt Fitzpatrick has figured something out. He's playing some of the best golf on the planet Earth right now. Yeah, I like Matthew Fitzpatrick a lot. And to the extent, and we'll talk about Paul Casey in a second when we get to the next range, but to the extent you like Paul Casey, but you just hate the ownership, you're (laughs) probably going to get about half the ownership with Matthew Fitzpatrick. And you might be talking about a very similar guy when it comes down to the strokes gain metrics, uh, particularly recently. So yeah, I think Matt Fitzpatrick is a great play. I know I I love the price. I'm going to have him in a few lineups. As far as other guys in the 8K range, I can't stray away from Victor Hovland, even though his recent form really just hasn't been that good. I'm not going to be, quote, overweight on Victor Hovland. But again, when he's on, we do this all the time with Colin Morikow, with Matthew Wolf, with Victor Hovland. You know, they they have a bout of, hey, man, it's a little inconsistent. And all of a sudden they pop again. And I just, I know Victor Hovland is such a good ball striker. So I'm going to be on him. I'm going to be on a little bit of Sung J.M. But to Greg's point, yeah, I have questions about this range. So Matthew Fitzpatrick is another guy I like. And outside of that, I'm just going to be peppering in other guys. I will say that if you want to go out there and win a GPP with a low-owned guy in this range, listen, it is a risk. But Terrell Hatton will be the least-owned guy in this range. I promise you that. And he can go – listen, he hasn't been good, and that's why he's going to be so low-owned. But we know he has the talent. It's really just a matter of deciding when he is going to turn it around. So if you're willing to play him in a couple lineups, I think – it could be a good move just from a pure game theory standpoint. I I certainly agree. You're going to get him at like 5%, something like that. I want to talk about, uh, I guess, a little bit specifically, Greg, on Sung JM, but kind of more broadly about guys who are struggling with their approaches because I see Sung JM here on, on the, the chart that I'm showing who is just constantly losing strokes on approach. And what I know about Augusta National is there's kind of these 
quadrants out there. There's kind of like areas. And if you're just a little bit off and you roll down to a different quadrant, you've turned a, you've hit a shot 12 feet away from the pin and now you're 25 feet away from it. I just think if you're a little bit off it with, with whatever, whatever number you're trying to land or wherever you're trying to get your ball to stop, I think especially in April conditions, that is going to be magnified. So that is not just not just Sungjae that I'm talking about, but guys who are struggling with their approaches. Yeah, um, hole number six is a perfect example when the hole location's in the uh, back right up on that shelf where if you miss short, there's a false front. If you miss left, it rolls 40 feet away um, into the middle of the green, and it doesn't have to be very far off. There are a number of... Basically, it's all the high hole locations. So whenever you're looking at 16 is another one where there's high hole locations and low hole locations. The low hole locations, the ball feeds towards them. The high hole locations, the ball tends to repel away. And you have to, in order to handle all of those, you have to be uh, incredibly precise. And if you're not precise, you have to be really sharp with the uh, with the putting, the lag putting, and you can hopefully hopefully you're on the green because if you miss on the short side, it can get really really challenging. So there are a couple instances where if you get into one of the Masters where a five under par wins or something along those lines, you don't necessarily have to be perfect in those areas, uh, but it certainly helps. And and I, I have a lot of questions about Sungjae for those reasons, Rick. Um, and they also tend to be his strength. The short game has been really weak so far this year. He's 179th for the year. Um, yeah. So I, I like what he does on the greens, and I, I thought about Sungjae, but... The lack of experience, even though he has a second, he came in second on a much different golf course than he's going to see this week. Um, it was just so much softer. You didn't have to be precise like that. That gives me great pause um, and, and the iron play that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. I agree. It hurts me to say. It brings a tear to my eye. I agree that Sung yeah. JM yeah. is uh, kind of in a tough spot this week heading in. The one guy that I think we all like is the guy we did not see in November, which might be might be good. I don't know if it's good or not. So it's it's Daniel Berger. See, I mean, uh, I think we've got a round of burgers here. There's nothing not to like about a guy whose game is complete as as DB. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it, it, exactly like complete game. I mean, I think he's sort of in that Patrick Cantley uh, ilk, if you will, maybe a slightly lesser version than, than what Patrick Cantley's uh, strokes gain metrics are. But yeah, I don't have a problem. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it short on Berger. I I don't know how much I want to use him. I think I have to see ownership there because, you know, the question with Berger comes down to upside. I mean, do we do we think he can top five this tournament, top ten this tournament? Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but I do like him as a play, a guaranteed cut maker who will score you some points for sure. Yeah, Greg, I'm looking at his year-by-year breakdown here and the leap that he made in 2020 where he gained nearly 1.6 strokes per round on the field. He's carried that over into 2021. He's at 1.4. This is by far the best stretch of golf of his career. It has resulted in two victories in 19-ish, 20-ish starts, which not many of his peers can tout. Uh, Daniel Berger, uh, whether people want to like it or not, is is just a very good high-end talent on the PGA Tour. He absolutely is. And don't forget, he was a rookie of the year, the same year Justin Thomas was a rookie. So he has, um, and there were many others in that class that were uh, fantastic players. So he has game, and he lost his game when he got hurt. He hurt his wrist, and that is finally healed up, and this is who Daniel Berger is. So I, I think he's got a pretty good chance. I actually like Daniel Berger in this range. Um, I like what he does on the greens. He's 16th for the year strokes game putting. He hits a lot of greens of regulation, which mm-hmm. is also great. The ball striking's been fantastic. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about Daniel Berger this week. All right, let's pop on down to the 7K range. This is uh, like, I guess, the past champions uh, range here. We've got Sergio Garcia. We've got Bubba Watson. We've got Adam Scott. Paul Casey we talked about him for just a second. We're going to talk about him a lot more here in a minute. All the way down to... Max Homa, Francesco Molinari, Shane Lowry, Victor Perez. Sia, you mentioned Paul Casey going to be uh, popular. I believe that to be correct. He falls into the Tita Green guys. And the, the big takeaway for me on Casey, I want to get your thoughts on him and others, is that you know we have the strokes gain data. That strokes gain data that I was showing uh, from the start of, of, of 2021 doesn't even include his win on the European tour. Like His numbers are probably better than what we actually have access to. Oh yeah, they're definitely better. And yeah, it's like Paul Casey's a great player. He's probably a little bit mispriced. And again, I hate to keep saying ownership. I mean, that that I guess would be a factor, but no, I mean, I, 
Paul Casey's a great play. I, I don't know what to say, but I will say that guys I also like, and, and I might be playing because of the ownership, I might be playing um, a little bit more. Well, Sergio Garcia is probably going to be popular too. I actually like Sergio Garcia even a little bit better. And I understand the trend that we talked about earlier in the show with Sergio at majors. But honestly, the last couple of years, I don't think he's been striking the ball quite as well as he, as he has been this year. And so I think that's really important to acknowledge when you're talking about a, a two or three year trend. We know he has the, the, the moxie, the experience to win here because he's done it before. A couple other guys that I like that have much lesser experience. I mean, in Joaquin Neiman's case, he just has the, the one year of, of playing here. But I think Neiman is, is really, I don't want to say he's an elite player, but he's certainly an elite ball striker with plenty of upside. So I'm definitely going to have a good amount of Joaquin Neiman. And the other guy I like in this range is Abraham Answer. Uh, Answer played really well here in 2020. And he's just one of those guys, a, a, another good ball striker. We know he can win big tournaments. Um, you know, he hasn't done it on U.S. soil, but he has won big tournaments. And he's coming in with good recent form. So I think Abraham Answer is another guy uh, I'm going to be playing. Neiman, um, uh, Neiman got on my radar a couple of days ago. I started to run a model. See, I, I, you know, was punching in. Okay. I think you got to be long off the tee. I think you got to make a lot of birdies. I think you got to be great from tee to green, all that stuff. And, uh, the, the four names that popped out were like three studs in Joaquin Neiman. And I was like, Oh, let me, let me do a deeper dive. And I'm, and I'm showing it here right now. I mean, since, since the start of 2021 has not played an event where he's lost strokes off the tee. He's lost strokes on approach in one event. He's been absolutely phenomenal from tee to green and he's much longer than people actually realize. So uh, I'm, I'm with you, Sia. $7,400, Joaquin Neiman. I think it's a great play. Let's turn our attention to you, Greg. $7,000 range. It is ripe with talent. We just got to figure out who the right ones are. Yeah, I, I think, and I, again, this may be chalky, may be popular, but I love Sergio. I talked about that earlier when KP was on. Um, Paul Casey, for all the reasons you guys have already mentioned, I love. So I'm all in on those guys. Uh, the other guy that I think needs to get a mention is Louis Oosthuizen. Mm. Um, and he is such a reliable player when it comes to these major championships. He's just fantastic. And you look at what he's done recently at Augusta National. You, remember, you're talking about a guy who's 7,500 on DraftKings, right? Tied um, in, in 2020. He was tied 23rd. 2019, tied 29th. 2018, tied 12th. 2017, tied 41st. 2016, tied 15th. He's got a second at this venue as well um, back in, that was 2012. So he has a lot of experience, which I like. He's playing really well right now. Um, he was tied 6th at the workday, tied 11th at waste management. Now, he didn't get out of his group at the match play, but remember, he was in that uh he was in that group of death. So I, of I death. look at, yeah, yeah, with, uh, with Kisner and, and JT. Kucher and, and JT. Um, and Kucher, right? So I, I, I look at that as kind of an anomaly, and I think Louis is ready, uh, ripe and ready to go to have another great Masters. You could have given me about a thousand guesses of who was ninth in strokes gain total this season, and I never would have picked Louis Ustazen, yeah. like ever. Ever, ever, ever. Now he's doing it a lot via the short game, right? He's he's third in putting and he's he's ninth around the green. But I'll tell you what, Augusta National, pretty good place to have a good short game. You get stuck down in some of those collection areas. If we do get a year where the the winning score is pretty low, I, I'll tell yeah. you what, Louis finding a way to get the ball in the cup. Greg. And the the other thing is he is he is long. He is a lot longer than his statistics will say. He probably I think the stats say he's like he hits it like two ninety seven off the tee, but he can. He's got way more than that. So just watch out. When he's one of those guys that that's sneaky long. All of a sudden he he might win a a Wednesday long drive contest at some he he's done that before at some golf tournaments. So 297 uh, 297.2. Don't short him the uh, point two, Greg. Sorry, Louis. He needs sorry, every Louis. bit that he <laughs> can get. Okay, see, we've parsed through the vast majority of this $7,000 range. Is there anybody else we need to consider? Will Zalatoris, who I am incredibly bullish on. Uh, man, the, de the, the, the debutante thing scares me a little bit. If he goes out and finishes like T12 at the Masters, I will bow down to Will Zalatoris' greatness because uh, not even I think that is going to happen this week, but he's, he's incredible. Is there anybody else here that we need to chat through? A couple guys that I'll probably be rostering are okay. uh, Max Homa and Victor Perez. Okay. So listen, these are, these are guys I'm not going to have a ton of shares on. And, and obviously, the experience here is very limited. I mean, Max Homa's, you know, missed cut in 2020. And Victor Perez is 
what he, okay, so he played in 2020 as well and finished 46. So the, the experience really isn't there, but I just like how Victor Perez and Max Homer are trending. Now, granted, I'm relying on recent form and in and, and Victor Perez's case, very recent form. But I, I think, especially in Max Homer's case, I don't think he's a bad course fit here. And I think you're getting a really good DFS price on a guy that we just saw win. And after his win, we just saw compete, you know, was top 10 in tournaments right after that. So I just think Max, I don't want to say he's improperly priced, particularly when you consider his lack of experience here and, and the missed cut when he when he did have experience here. But I just think he's a better player than this price indicates. And, and he's gonna, he's he's a guy I'm going to be willing to take a chance on because it wouldn't shock me if he's somewhere near the top 10 on Sunday. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it right now on the site, like eight consecutive weeks that Max Homa plays. He wins in the middle there. Then, of course, that gets him into workday. So he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go there now. Well, OK, well, I'm not going to miss the API. Well, I'm certainly not going to skip the players. And he ends up playing eight weeks in a row. And even after the victory, as you mentioned, Sia, he had piled up some good finishes and he's doing it in a way that I like, which is via the ball striking category, which is always good to see. Let's move on down to our final range, the ultimate value range. It is the six thousand dollar range. It's sizable. At the bottom of it are past champions that are not going to contend. But the top and the middle have plenty of great established PGA Tour players. Greg, it starts with Corey Connors, Jason Kokrak, and Mark Leishman. And then, of course, it will go down to Robert Strav, Larry Mize, uh, Sandy Lyle. And our and, and uh, Trevor Immelman is technically in the DraftKings pool, but I don't think he's playing. I'm pretty sure he'll be on the call this week. <laughs> yeah, he's out. Uh, last I saw on DraftKings, he was listed as out as well. Okay. Um, so I think they have... Um... They they have uh, accounted for that, but it's, so the guys there are three guys in this range that I re- that I really like. Um, well, two of them that I really like, and one of them that I'm curious about, and I think I may take a flyer. Fortunately, he's 6,300, so he may be worth the risk. But anyway, Jason Kokrak, first mm-hmm. and foremost, I think is. Um, is a great play this week. He doesn't have the experience that I like, but again, now we're below the 7K range, so I can. There, there are going to be some boxes that go unchecked, um, but boxes that he does check are his driving to the golf ball. He's 38th on tour in driving distance, so he hits it plenty long. 23rd strokes gain off the tee, and he hits a lot of greens. He's over 70% in greens regulation at 18th, uh, maybe a little more conservative than some others, which is why he's 82nd approaching the green. But the thing that the big difference for Jason Kokrak this year has been what he's done on the greens. He's eighth strokes game putting. And he's 18th in three-putt avoidance for the year. So you put all those things together, and you look at the venue at Shadow Creek where he won, which has some really fast, really slopey greens. It put his his putter to the test, and he and he passed the test. So I think Kokrak is a guy who, who could have a... Oh, and also, let's not forget, he's played really well of late. Aside from not getting out of the match play, um, three top tens in a row, which um, goes a long way. Yeah, so I'm looking at the yearly breakdown here on his golfer profile page, and uh, <laughs> this year is basically the only year he's gained strokes putting. And he said, "Okay, while I'm going to gain strokes putting, I might as well be a top ten putter, right? Like, right. just let me just yeah. let me just flip the switch and <laughs> learn crazy. how to putt. It's amazing, <laughs> and it has certainly gone a long way for his game and in some of the results that he has had. Uh, Coke Rack is was certainly on my short list as well. Sia, uh, there are also other names I mentioned. Phil Mickelson describing that to. Kyle Kyle Porter earlier, so I won't rehash that. Ryan Palmer has shown up again in the $6,500 range, a guy that has been one of the most valuable golfers on in fantasy golf in the last 12 or 18 months. Is there anybody here in the 6K range that you find uh, much more appetizing than others? Yeah, there, there's a few guys here that I like. I agree on Kokrak, by the way. I mean, Corey Connors, he's going to be real popular, but rightfully so. I mean, I, I definitely think that's a just a wonderful price for Corey Connors when you consider his ball striking. What I will say about him is his short game, you know, around the green and putting, he's sort of picked that up lately. And I wonder if we're kind of, and we might've seen this last week at Valero. I wonder if we're due some regression in that regard. So I think that's something to consider because you either think he's really come around in that regard, or, you know, maybe it's going to slip back down to, to his average. So other than that, listen, I, I like Connors. I like Kokrak, but the president of the Ryan Palmer fan club, I can't not take Ryan Palmer Mm -hmm. in spite of his lack of experience here. I mean, he is a great ball striker. I know I keep saying ball striking. I mean, I'm trying to pepper in some around the, uh, around the green and putting stats in here too, but ball striking really matters off the tee really matters. And I think Palmer at this price is, is an absolute bargain. A couple other guys I like real quick, Brian Harmon. I mean, 
Yeah. Talk about a guy that's in great form and who's hitting the ball really well. I mean, this is a really, really good price, and he should do he should do well at this course in spite of the fact that you know he's a relatively short hitter. So uh, one other thing I'll mention. Sebastian Munoz and Matt Wallace were two guys I mentioned last week on our Monday show when we were we were basically on the last couple minutes of the show. Oh, hey, give me some Masters yeah. picks. And I said Matt Wallace and Sebastian Munoz. And lo and behold, at Valero, both of them do awesome. So they're coming in pretty good form. And they both did really well at the Masters in 2020. I understand that's slight, a slightly different track. But when you look at their finishing position, it wasn't very good in 2020. But that's because they both blew up on Sunday. If you look at the first three rounds, it was great. So I think they might be okay here. They're risky, uh, but they might be okay. I have something for you, Sia. So what I've done here on, on rickrungood.com is I've opened it up the full last 60 years. Actually, the last two seasons I went to. And I, I got everybody who's played in the last two seasons. And I'm going to sort this by strokes gain T to green. What Matt Wallace did at Valero last week, he gains 15.32 strokes from T to green. It was better than Jordan Speed. It was better than Charlie Hoffman. It was better than everybody. And it was the fourth best T to green week of any golfer uh, in the last two years. And he was the only guy not to win. The three guys ahead of him all won their events here. So if he can bring any level of that to Augusta National, um, I am certainly on board with that as one of your value plays. Yeah, and I'll tell you, he brought that for three, three rounds of the Masters in 2020, for whatever that's worth. I love it. Uh, the rest of this 6K range, Greg, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around. I see Sebastian Munoz, as, as Sia mentioned. I don't mind that at all. Bern Wiesberger has played here five times. He has made five cuts. I don't think he's finished better than 24th. Take that for what it's worth. Is there anyone else here that we should be spending oxygen on? So I go down to, uh, and I love Brian Harmon, by the way. I think he's going to have a great week, making a ton of birdies right now. Um, but anyway, um, at 6,300, Matt Jones would be the last guy that I'd mention in this range. And uh, he's only played here once, which again, we're, we're back to um, little lack of experience, which I don't love this week. But the things that I do love is the win at the Honda Classic and, and mm-hmm. uh, the tied eighth at the Genesis. He had... 10 made cuts in a row before the API, which I think goes a long way. He hits it a lot longer than people give him credit for. He averages 305 yards off the tee. That's 30th on the PGA Tour. Uh, and and he's also a great putter, which I think goes a long way again. Um, I want to say, I think he was third in three-putt avoidance. Um, I think I think that's the number that he was at, 25th strokes gain putting. So I, I look at a Matt Jones, and I think a guy who likes to draw the ball I think it's going to be a um, a really good week for him. There is some risk involved because of the experience, but I, I kind of have a funny feeling it's going to be a good Matt Jones week. I kind of have a funny feeling it's going to be a great week, gentlemen. We are going to enjoy it. We're going to talk about the Masters a lot. We are going to have a mega preview pod on Tuesday. We are going to go live on Wednesday evening. That's 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to answer anything you want. We'll talk DFS. Throw your questions in the chat. It'll be very interactive. We're going to talk. Maybe maybe I'll get Greg to give me uh, live uh, swing tips on the show, and, and that'll just be great television. I'm sure people will love to watch that for a while but yeah, uh we that's the stuff that. we're gonna do we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of fun make sure to turn on your youtube alerts so that you know when we do go live but for now let me thank producer jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes let me thank sia najad who you can find on twitter at sia najad let me thank greg ducharme who you can find on twitter at the real gfd and you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.